We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day podcast. We officially have our Super Bowl matchup. Didn't go without some controversy. Certainly the Bengals-Chiefs game had, let's just say, like way too much ref influence and uh, just too much focus on the referees, I guess is probably the easiest way I would say that. There a lot of interesting calls in that game. The extra down because they got a do-over. I mean, you look at the wide view and you see the ref going like this, but it just it has to be a cleaner operation than that. And you can't let them run a full play and then do it over. That is unacceptable. We could go over a million plays, which we're not going to do today because we I want to focus on the Packers, obviously. But you you have the the last play of the game, or not the last play of the game, but like the last meaningful play where you get the the personal foul penalty, and this is where like it it's clearly a penalty, all right. Like like that's a penalty every game all year long. And does Mahomes flop a little bit? Yeah, probably. Does he you know you know kind of exaggerate the the contact? Yeah, maybe probably. But Mahomes is like. A lot of times you will see if like the quarterback is even like like about to step his first foot out of bounds and he gets pushed that they've like I've seen penalties called on that and Mahomes is a good you know he's getting two feet down before getting pushed that's a penalty on a QB every single day of the week and at the same time you just watch the play and you you know in your mind that 
he's just he's the, the the defender is just hustling and just doing everything he can to get Mahomes out of bounds or like to, to stop him as short as he can so that KC can't have an opportunity at a field goal. It's not a it's not a penalty out of like you know it's not trying to be stupid. It's not trying to be like let me hit this guy late. It's like the the penalty is intended to make sure that players are safe and once they get out of bounds they're not going to get hit anymore. But he's just like literally doing everything he can and hustling down the field. And it's like from an intent standpoint, you you hate to see that call because the guy's just doing everything he can just to try to get him out as soon as he possibly can. Uh, again, to prevent him picking up any extra yardage and giving them a better opportunity at either a, a Hail Mary or a field goal, whatever it may be. It just so happens, you know, he gets a step and a half, two steps out of bounds, pushes him a little bit. Not I'm I guarantee you, not meaning even to like, you know, try to throw him to the ground or anything. Just it, it just sucks. Like you football is a violent contact aggressive sport. And then it's like, you just don't want to see a penalty like that ultimately decide the game. And I think, you know, everyone probably outside of people who had money on, on KC or are a Kansas city chiefs fan, you know, we all wanted to see that game go to overtime and just be able to be played out in, in you know, the field of play. And like I said, I, I think it's the right call. I think that's a call 99, like a hundred times out of a hundred, like that, that's going to get called. And um, it's just unfortunate that that's the play that ultimately decides the game and, and gives the field the the Chiefs an easy field goal opportunity, not easy, but a winnable field goal opportunity, which ultimately they took advantage of. So, um, just uh, ultimately at the end of the day, far too many uh, referee influences in that game when you just want to see Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and those two teams go to work and uh, you know kind of do the heavy lifting of the drama in that game rather than there be drama surrounding penalties, but. Kudos to the Chiefs. Kudos to MVS. Six catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Really happy for him. Tough not to be happy for a receiver who's worked incredibly hard to hone his skills. Yeah, I think probably wanted to be back in Green Bay. Didn't get the contract opportunity or the contract he was looking for. Not a bad runner, you know, runner-up spot to end up with KC with Patrick Mahomes. If Mahomes, as Justice Mosqueda pointed out on Twitter, if Mahomes wins the MVP this year. MVS will have played for the MVP in three consecutive years, Rodgers, Rodgers, and Mahomes uh, specifically, but really cool for him. And we get this really cool Andy Reid, uh, you know, Chiefs-Eagles matchup. I, I think these two have been the two best teams in the NFL. Didn't talk about it yet, but Eagles get the win over the 49ers in a massively disappointing game for a variety of reasons, not close at all. And just the 49ers have pretty hurt early. They go to, you know, John, Josh Johnson, and he's just not going to be the answer. Then even he gets hurt. You have to bring in Purdy, who can't throw it more than five yards, and it's just completely over by that point. And I don't think anyone from a Packers standpoint is like super disappointed that the 49ers like aren't going to the Super Bowl or anything like that. But I always look at things like that was a really, really phenomenal 49ers football team. And like, just put yourself in their shoes, right? Like you are competing for an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl and your third quarterback who you've somehow found a way to win with can, you know, consistently through the end of the season, he goes down, your fourth QB comes in, he goes down, and now you're left in an NFC championship game down by multiple scores, and you don't have a quarterback who can throw the football. That's just brutal. And that was a really well orchestrated team that had every opportunity to go to and maybe even win a Super Bowl. And they're just dead because of the injuries at the quarterback position, specifically suffered in that game to Brock Purdy. But you have no Jimmy G 
no Trey Lance, no Brock Purdy, even no Josh Johnson at that point. So a disappointing, frustrating end. I'm really happy for the Eagles. I think they, I think the Eagles have been the best team all year long, and they're going to get the opportunity to prove that next week against the Chiefs, or in two weeks against the Chiefs. But I think it's a phenomenal matchup. I hope like Hertz can even get better than what he has been from a health standpoint. I hope Mahomes can even get healthier from what he has been from a health standpoint. Uh, I think this has the opportunity to be one of the all-time great Super Bowls, and I hope it's just super competitive because uh, those games are just so much fun, and we only get one more left through this season, and I'm very much looking forward to Chiefs and Bengals. All right, a couple other news and notes before we get to the main topic. Jerry Gray, a couple days ago, uh, it had happened after I had recorded my video uh, for Sunday, but Jerry Gray officially hired by the Atlanta Falcons. Remember, he was a free agent. He didn't have to have a promotion in order to go to another team. And as I tweeted out, and as I've kind of mentioned on here, and I'll just say this up front, I wish nothing but the best for Jerry Gray. I hope he does a phenomenal job in Atlanta. I do think he's a really good coach. I know the players absolutely loved him. As just some like somebody that's watched these games in great detail, I have a hard time being super bummed about a coach leaving when he had a veteran group of defensive backs, and that is not a group that communicated well throughout the entirety of the season until very late in the year. You kind of saw them get a little bit on the same page and communicate better. Um, that was unacceptable to me, the way that that team performed in the secondary. And I know there might be people saying like, well, it's Joe Barry and it's Joe Barry's scheme. Yeah, it, you know what? Let's just, let's just say that the scheme is terrible, right? Let's say the scheme is awful. That does not give you any sort of blank check to... Uh, not communicate on the back end and not be on the same page as a secondary. Because I can promise you right now, every scheme that's run in the NFL, whether it's Joe Barry or any other coordinator, has, has the, like, nobody's like doing anything like so egregiously bad. Like it's all concepts that every single team is using. Now you could argue that the, the concepts weren't the right concepts for the players that they had on the team. I'm with you on that. And this is not an episode to defend Joe Barry at all. But it, whatever concept is called, right or wrong, the defensive backs have to be on the same page and executing what is called because a bad concept that's executed well can still have success. A good concept that's not executed well or a bad concept that's not executed well and defensive backs aren't on the same page communicating with each other has almost no opportunity for success whatsoever. And to me, that is not on the defensive coordinator. That is on the secondary coach. That making sure that your secondary is make is on the same page, communicating the same things, know what each other are doing. Especially, it's not like you've got a bunch of undrafted free agent guys. You've got Razul and Stokes and Nixon and Jair, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford. This is a veteran group of players, most of which who have played with each other before, and they're struggling to communicate out there. That's unacceptable. So, wishing Jerry Gray nothing but the best. I, I do think he's. I, I do think he's probably a very good coach. Uh, it just didn't work out very well last year in Green Bay, and I don't think I think Green Bay can get better at that position, even with Jerry Gray leaving. But ultimately, he will be a Falcons head coach, or not head coach, but a secondary coach next year. Meanwhile, Rich Basaccia, uh, if anyone was thinking like, "Hey, this Indianapolis Colts thing, oh, that's cute that they interviewed him one time, but like he's not going to get the job," he's getting a second interview. And let's just say this, you have no idea what Ursay is going to do. You have no idea. The head coach next year could be Jeff Saturday. It could be Rich Basaccia. It could be Peyton Manning. It could be Pat McAfee. Uh, it could be it could be anyone. It could be me at this point, and that would not surprise me. So uh, if you don't think Rich Basaccia could get that job, like good luck figuring out what Jim Ursay wants to do, because it could be 
like I said, anything. Uh, but Rich Passaccia should be a strong candidate for that position. And uh, as a Packer fan, I'm hoping that he does not get hired. I would love to see him build on what he started to build already for the special teams in Green Bay. But he is now going for a second interview. And like I said, anything is possible at this point. And then, of course, our favorite topic, Adam Schefter uh, wrote or put out a new article and, and had a new report. And it goes through all this, a lot of stuff that we knew already that a trade is possible and things like that. The one key takeaway in this, and there's still some interesting verbiage in here, but I'll read it. It says, league sources believe the franchise prefers, meaning the Packers, league sources believe the franchise prefers to move on from Rodgers. And then went on to say, and they also believe that Rodgers is well aware of the Packers' feelings on the situation as well. Now, league sources believe is the verbiage here. So he knows somebody and it's their belief that the Packers want to move on from Aaron Rodgers. That's not a exactly a stone cold lead pipe fact. That's a league source believes the Packers want to move on and that Rodgers uh, knows their feelings on the situation. That was the biggest takeaway from the article. I do think that Schefter is actually pretty spot on here, whether you think it's some new groundbreaking you know, report or whether it's just kind of regurgitating the same stuff. That's your prerogative. I don't want to get into it. I just don't care. We'll ultimately find out what Rodgers wants to do and what the Packers want to do when they decide what they want to do. And that's what I'm more looking forward to at this point, rather than, uh, you know, all of the different varying reports and stuff like that. But if that is true, if the league source is right and his belief is right that the franchise wants to move on, which I have heard some whispers of as well, that I think the franchise would ultimately just prefer that Rodgers wants to move on rather than them wanting to move on. But we'll see what happens. And it's just noteworthy nonetheless. Take it or leave it. That's fine. But it is a news and note from Sunday. So wanted to touch base on it. That gets us to today's main topic. As you know, when I basically put out an entire episode labeled it's time for the Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers for the second consecutive season. You know my thoughts on the topic by now. You know that I think it's best for the Packers to go in a different direction and to start a rebuild. And for me, probably a much more aggressive rebuild than I think even uh, most people would do. But uh, what I think you always have to consider when you are weighing this out, if you're the Green Bay Packers, if you're Brian Gutekunst and you're trying to make this decision of what direction do you go in, you have to weigh out the other side of things. There's always an opportunity cost. And if Rodgers goes out, if you trade him and he goes out and he has an MVP season and with Jordan Love, your team you know, maybe performs better than you expected and your Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Zach Tom and Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, some of these guys come along a lot quicker. You have a good draft class. You find another random free agent that turned out really well. If all of a sudden that stuff starts coming together and, you know, maybe you end up as a playoff team with Jordan Love, but Rodgers just plays at an unreal level for some other team, you might by the end of the season be like, huh, wonder what would have happened if we just would have kept Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Could we have competed for a Super Bowl? And did we lose an opportunity to win that? So what I wanted to do today is let's just say that Aaron Rodgers is back or play out this scenario. All right, what is the opportunity? Is there an opportunity for Green Bay to win a Super Bowl? If you want to look at this another way, what if I told you that I have a time machine and I went into the future into next February and I saw that the Packers won the Super Bowl. All right, that's crazy, but how would that happen? What would that look like? Is it feasible? Is it realistic? What would need to happen for the Packers to actually win a Super Bowl next year? So let's go through it. 
let's go through how Green Bay could potentially be in the conversation for winning a Super Bowl in 2023, 2024. So number one, I think we have to agree that if the Packers are going to have any chance of winning a Super Bowl this next year, it's going to be with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And I don't have, again, the opportunity to Dr. Strange this thing and be like, well, could they get Lamar Jackson? And could they get this person? And could get like the two only, the really only two realistic options are going to be Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. Could they stumble upon a quarterback in the draft, a seventh round Brock Purdy, a like sixth round Tom Brady that goes on and does something amazing? Sure. Like anything is within the realm of possibility, right? But the two logical real scenarios are Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. And as interesting as Jordan Love will be if he ends up being the starter next year for good, bad, ugly, whatever it ends up being, the odds of Jordan Love in his first year as a full-time starter, just going out and tearing it up with a team that really struggled the, the season before on in most phases and going and bringing that team to a Super Bowl, probably extremely slim. So if, if this is the case, if the Packers were to win a Super Bowl next year, I think it's fair to say that Aaron Rodgers is probably back at quarterback, which is going to give them some sort of pressure to reboot, reload, and or you know go all in in some capacity, right? That's probably the only opportunity that Green Bay really has. If you told me again, if you fast forward the next February and said Green Bay won the Super Bowl, I'd be pretty willing to bet you they brought Rodgers back and they went pretty aggressively all in borrowing from the future. So those things probably have to happen. So that's number one on my list. Rodgers is back, and they probably were pretty aggressive in going after a, another winning season with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Number two, and this is number very very high on my list of something I think would have to have happen, you need to get Rashawn Gary back at like a reasonable time at the beginning of the season. Like you can't have it be like week 12 or week eight or weeks. Like I think you need him back, like very similar to Elton Jenkins. But unlike Elton Jenkins, who took like six, seven weeks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To get back in the swing of things, 
I think you need a really good Rashawn Gary by like at least like probably week six, seven, eight, or and at minimum, if you are a playoff team, he needs to be fully functioning Rashawn Gary by the end of the year. If Rashawn Gary has some sort of setback, if he's not himself, if it takes him just a year to get back playing the way that he was prior to the injury, that's probably not good enough. He is that important of a player where you need him not only to be healthy, you need him to be playing like an absolute dominant force. So his return from an ACL becomes massively important if you're actually going all in and trying to win next season. Number three, as kind of mentioned earlier, there's going to be lots of restructures and there's going to be a lot more mortgaging of the future. So they're going to have to borrow. And that's going to, part of that's going to happen almost no matter what, because of what they do this offseason and just needing additional money. But they're going to have to be aggressive with void years and contracts so that they're going to push out more money into the future to free up money to build a successful roster in 2023. So that's number three that probably is going to happen in this scenario. Number four is you probably need to bring back a variety of players, including Preston Smith, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Mercedes Lewis, Keyshawn Nixon. I'm going to say Jerron Reed and maybe even Mason Crosby, Rudy Ford, Dallin Levitt, a good core of your team that still has the ability to play potentially at a high level. You know, Maybe not so much Rudy Ford, Dallin Levitt. Those are more special teams guys, but can help out your special teams. The rest of those guys, very important to a team that's trying to compete in 2023. And then number five on my list is to me quite arguably the most important. And the, the really the, the main reason I wanted to go over this topic today is to say like, if you told me like something like this happened, the, the big thing that probably led to this would be the return to form for a lot of players on this roster, players that massively disappointed in 2022 in some capacity. Let's just review all of these players uh, because I think it's important to note here that there are a lot of players on this Packers team that we have seen play at an extremely high level for the Green Bay Packers. A lot of times when you are projecting out future wins, like you're having to do a, a little bit of heavy lifting and being like, well, we're going to have to like, maybe like, let's just take Josh Myers, for example, right? You're, you're probably going to need a better season out of Josh Myers but there's nothing in the past two years that would indicate, okay, he's ready to go out and play at a much higher level. We just, we've seen complete inconsistency out of Josh Myers for two years. So while Josh Myers playing better is probably a part of the equation, it's tougher to be like that. You have to do a little bit more of like, I really hope it happens, but we have nothing over the last two years that make us think that that is going to be something that is actually in the cards. That is not the case with a ton of these players. And that goes for Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Mercedes Lewis, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon Jr., Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Razul Douglas, and Darnell Savage. All 14 of those players we have seen have pretty incredible seasons with the Green Bay Packers. And if they can get back to playing their individual incredible brand of football, you could see this Green Bay Packers team take a major step overnight. So let, let's just go over this. Aaron Rodgers in 2020, my grade on him, plus 35.8, MVP of the league. Last year, plus 0.2, nowhere near MVP of the league. If Aaron Rodgers plays like 2020 MVP Aaron Rodgers, yeah, that's going to help a ton of things. So a return to form, a 2020 form for Aaron Rodgers, at least a 2021 form for Aaron Rodgers would do wonders for this offense. So that's number one. Aaron Jones, how about 2019? Plus 14.75 grade. 
last year, plus 5.25, a 9.5 difference, a 35.6 difference, by the way, for Aaron Rodgers, a 9.5 difference. If Aaron Jones can play like 2019 Aaron Jones, cut down on some of those fumbles that he had last year, catch some of those big passes like he did in 2019. Yeah, that's going to help this offense. You're going to add, not only like was Jones already a good player, but you're talking about uh, a step up from a playmaker that Green Bay could very much use in 2023. How about AJ Dillon? 2021 AJ Dillon plus 5.7. 2022 plus 1.85, a difference of 3.85. Not as much for Dillon as the last two, but still a significant uh, better player in my opinion in 2021 in Dillon than what we saw in 2022. If he can be that bruising power back that we saw a little bit more towards the end of this last year, but we could see it throughout the entirety of the year. Yeah, that's going to help Green Bay's running game. It's going to help their play action game. It's going to help a variety of different things. Mercedes Lewis, who I thought was fantastic last year, still in 2020 was plus 7.85. Last year, he was plus 4.25. That's a difference of 3.6. David Bakhtiari, mostly due to just being healthy in 2020, but in 2020, had a plus 14.9 grade. Last year, plus 4.05. If he can stay healthy through the entirety of the year and play like he did in 2020, that's maybe a lot to ask with the the knee injury, but that's a difference of 10.85. That would massively help your left side of your offensive line. Speaking of which, Elton Jenkins, 2020 Elton Jenkins, plus 8.95 grade. Last year, negative 0.45. He got a lot better as the season went along, but a difference of 9.4. Imagine you're pairing Bakhtiari and Jenkins from 2020 and maybe pairing the most dominant left side of any offensive line in football together. That's going to help you as a team. John Runyon Jr. in 2021, plus 3.65 grade. Last year, negative 2.15. Difference of 5.8. Having a very solid right guard that holds up and is very consistent, very much going to help the offensive line, going to help Jones, going to help Dylan, going to help Rodgers, going to help Watson, going to help everyone. The better your offensive line, the better the rest of your team is going to be. It's a force multiplier. Kenny Clark, 2018, plus 13.1 grade. Last year, plus 4.25, difference of 8.85. 2018, Kenny Clark, dominant, busting up the middle, being a complete disruptor and just consistent on a game-by-game basis. You get that, Kenny Clark, you're going to be in a much better spot. And as I've said multiple times, your defense usually goes as Kenny Clark goes. Preston Smith in 2019, when he first came to the Packers, plus 10.4 grade that year. Last year, negative 2.45, difference of 12.85 points. If you can start getting back to a 2019 Preston Smith, that's going to help your pass rush. Devondre Campbell, 2021, first team all pro, plus 5.7 grade. Last year, negative 1.7, difference of 7.4. Jair Alexander in 2020, plus 13.55. Last year, plus 0.8, difference of 12.75. Eric Stokes in 2021, plus 1.25. Last year, negative 3.65, difference of 4.9. Rizul Douglas, 2021, 6.1. Last year, negative 1, difference of 7.1. Darnell Savage in 2020, plus 4.65. Last year, negative 5.2, difference of 9.85. The total difference for those 14 players and their best seasons in Green Bay over the last oh, what, four seasons to, to what we saw last year from those players, 142.3 grade points for me. A massive total difference. Just for comparison's sake, the difference between the 2020 season as a whole, when I graded that, the team that went to the NFC Championship was arguably the best team in football and probably should have at least made it to the Super Bowl. The difference between that team's grade and last year's grade was uh, 189.8 points. 
So just those 14 players playing back to their form is 142.3 of that difference made up. Not even adding in maybe a free agent here or there, not even adding some, you know, just some rookies that could potentially be impact players for your team. Some other younger players like Romeo Dobbs, Quay Walker, Devontae White, et cetera, playing better, Josh Myers, et cetera. Just those players. And I want to emphasize this one more time. All 14 players that I just mentioned are players that we have seen with our own eyes play really good football in Green Bay at one time or another, and many of them through multiple seasons. Rodgers, Jones, Dylan, Lewis, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Runyon, Clark, Smith, Campbell, Alexander, Stokes, Douglas, and Savage. I said this a lot last year. They need their best players to be really freaking good. This is a top-end football team that you're paying a lot of expensive, uh, a lot of money to expensive players that you need those players to show up in big situations and be at their best. Last year in 2022, their best players were nowhere near at their best. Again, 142.3 difference from their best seasons than what we've seen over the last few seasons. So that is where you start. If you told me that Green Bay won a Super Bowl in 2023 slash 2024, I would tell you those players that I just named played a hell of a lot better in 2023 than they did in 2022. Now, are all of them going to play their peak seasons going into next year? No, that's not going to happen. That's not realistic. But all of them have the ability to be some capacity better than what they were last year. And if all of them can get back to playing at least half as well as we have seen them play through the course of their career in Green Bay, then yeah, this team has the ability to make a major step and be so much more competitive than they were the previous season. Number six, I went over yesterday, and that's sort of some breakout players, right? The obvious ones, the ones that we saw take a step this past season, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Zach Tom, and Christian Watson. Three of those were rookies, so it wasn't like they took a step, but we saw legitimate play, especially towards the end of the year from Wyatt Watson and Zach Tom. If those three can get even better in 2023, that would go a long way. TJ Slayton, we saw play a really nice end of the season as well. If those four players can continue on that trend, that has the ability to really help out this team. And then you've got, what, five more uh, players that I think are talented players that we've seen flashes from that should continue to get better. That includes Romeo Dobbs, Samore Toure, Josh Myers, Kingsley and Igbari, and Quay Walker. A lot of snaps outside of Samore Toure, a lot of snaps for those players. And all of them are super talented. They just need to be able to, you know, have the opportunity and take that next step and make the most of it. If those players can start getting better, again, you're talking about a team that can take a significant step. Number six, or excuse me, number seven on my list would be to have really a 2022-esque draft again. This is going to be an extremely important draft for Brian Gutekinds and company. And if you, once again, if you told me that this was a team that was competing for a Super Bowl next year, I would probably tell you they hit some home runs in this draft. They are due in some capacity. And Christian, maybe Christian Watson is this, uh, but they are due for somebody to just come in from day one and just like play out. Like we've seen some really impressive performances from rookies over the last handful of years. If they can get one of those guys, they're picking 15th overall. It's not impossible to think. Like look what the Chiefs rookies did yesterday in that game. The Chiefs rookies were massive in that performance for KC. If if Green Bay can have a, a really big draft and hit on a couple really big guys, and all of a sudden they're performing at a high level early in their careers. Even if you get, you know, kind of the the same 
sort of draft that you had last year. That was uh, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, Kingsley and Igbari, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, like Tariq Carpenter on special teams. That was, there's a lot of ROI in that 2022 rookie class. They cannot have the Jordan Love, you know, uh, uh, Josiah DeGuara, AJ Dillon, Kamal Martin, et cetera. What could our Holloman? I don't even know. I wasn't, I don't think it was Holloman in that draft, but you get my point. Uh, you cannot have that same draft class. Like you can't, ha- you can't miss. Like if you, th- that's a recipe for disaster, right? So I would probably tell you if this is a team that's ultra competitive, not only are players playing better, not only did some guys take a jump, but they probably hit on some really big uh, draft picks as well. The same thing goes for free agency. This is not a team that's going to have money to spend in free agency, but they're going to need to find another bargain basement deal. Maybe another Devondre Campbell. That was a player they found in the scrap heap who performed as a first team all pro. Keyshawn Nixon, scrap heap player, bare minimum veteran contract, no signing bonus. First team all pro kick returner. Helped on nickel uh, corner as well and on defense, just special teams, etc. Massive, massive find. Whether it be the the Rick Wagner, the Jerron Reeds, the you know Rudy Fords, etc., Razul Douglas midseason off the practice squad, they're going to need to find uh, a player or two like that that can really help this team be competitive because they don't have the big money to spend. So this is another heavy lift for the the franchise in trying to find bare minimum players that could come in and play really big roles for the team. They're going to probably have to find a couple of those as well. Maybe a Juan Thornhill, maybe a Paris Campbell. Like there's just some guys out there that maybe don't get huge contracts. Green Bay's gonna have to find them and they're gonna have to perform well. Then maybe you get a random guy that you weren't expecting anything from to have a big season. You know, the the Cullen Jenkins, the Kabir Baja Biamillas, like we're all Aaron Campman to some extent too, right? Where you just get have this guy that maybe you know hung around for a couple of years, you weren't expecting anything out of, and then all of a sudden you're like holy cow, Colin Jenkins is really good. Holy cow, Kabir is just like a freaking demon off the edge, Tasmanian devil off the edge. Like he is, uh, you know, just took a step out of nowhere. Aaron Campman, same thing. Like they need a player that just kind of like, maybe it's an Innis Gaines, right? And maybe it's not, you know, to the point of Kabir or Campman or someone like that, or even a Colin Jenkins or a Tremont Williams who they found out of nowhere. Sam Shields, undrafted guy out of nowhere, right? Like, Maybe maybe it's in this game. Maybe he's just a solid player. Maybe you just can get you know 600 really sound snaps out of a player like that. That's not nothing. But they are probably going to need somebody to step up again because they don't have big free agent money to spend. And they're probably going to need at least one of their additions either via the draft, free agency, or you know their their bargain bin shopping whatever. They're going to need at least one additional playmaker. At least one additional playmaker. Because while I do think Christian Watson can be a major, you know, breakout candidate even more in 2023, like Aaron Jones can be even better in 2023 than he was in 22. I think Dylan can be better. I think Dobbs can be better. I think there's there's some things here that this offense can be better. They just they need more playmakers. You're, you're looking at a, a Bengals team that had Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, you know the um, Tyler Boyd, etc. The the Chiefs with Kelsey and MVS and. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and and Pacheco and like there's just a lot of playmakers and then we you know we could go the the Eagles with Devonte Smith and AJ Brown and we, again we could go 49ers with Kittle and McCaffrey and Ayuk and Samuel etc. These are teams with massive play you know playmaking potential and just a ton of playmakers on their roster going into the season with just Watson and Dobbs and Jones and it, you know it's 
there's some potential there, but it's just not good enough. They're going to have to figure out a way to add a couple playmakers to that roster. More so, they're going to have to be more aggressive on defense. They're going to have to find a way to run Matt LaFleur's offense, as I went over a few days ago. And they're going to need to take another jump on special teams as well. This Rich Bisaccia-led special teams is going to have to be even better in 2023 than they were in uh, 2022. So what does that leave you with? What type of roster do you have in that situation? You've got maybe 2020, 2021 MVP Aaron Rodgers, playmaker Aaron Jones at running back, bruiser AJ Dillon at running back, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and maybe another playmaker at wide receiver. You know, tight end, maybe you have to add a value free agent. Maybe you bring back a Robert Tunyon, who, by the way, in 2020 had a plus, uh, like the difference between 2020 and 2022 would have been another 7.7 points. If you get 2020 Robert Tunyon back on a cheap deal, that would be amazing. Probably Mercedes Lewis, your your ace in the hole as a blocking tight end. Your dominant left side with Bakhtiari and Jenkins playing at a super high level. Josh Myers taking a jump. John Runyon Jr. playing like he did in 21. Zach Tom taking a jump even over what we saw over this past season. TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt taking big jumps in uh, their next season, playing next to Kenny Clark and forming a very formidable defensive line. 2019 Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary back from injury better than ever, a Kingsley and Igbari jump at the edge. You've got a jump from Quay Walker. You've got first team all pro Devondre Campbell back, all pro Jair Alexander, 2021 Razul Douglas, 2021 Eric Stokes, 2020 Darnell Savage, maybe a flyer free agent like a Juan Thornhill who ends up turning out, maybe an Innis Gaines makes a major jump. Mason Crosby, at least you know what you have in Crosby. The leg is going, but he was extremely accurate. If you can do that again, you at least feel comfortable in knowing what you have. An overall jump from a Rich Passaccia special teams in year two. You get that. You get all of that. And yeah, you're talking about a team that maybe, just maybe, could compete for a Super Bowl again. Here's the thing. How realistic this is, is up to your own imagination. Uh, What I would say is, Clearly not all of that is going to happen. I'm fairly certain I can look you in the eye and tell you that with some level of certainty, you're not going to get all the things that I just laid out. So the question becomes, A, if all of that came to fruition, what I just told you, I think they have the opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl, but like if everything breaks right and they don't have a ton of injuries and they, everyone takes a jump, that's a team that, yeah, I could see competing with Buffalo and Cincinnati and San Francisco and Philadelphia, the, the teams that are, you know, are really good football teams. But I certainly wouldn't put it as a, a lock that they're just like, yeah, that team wins the Super Bowl, case closed, open and shut. They're going to have to battle those teams and play their best football in January and February, something that they have not been able to do at all as of late. So that's the first thing I would say is like in mint condition, perfect conditions, I think they're competitive for a Super Bowl, but I don't, they're, they're not a lock. Like that, they, they would still have to go and play really tough games against really tough opponents and, and somehow get victories in those situations where they haven't shown the propensity to do that. And then furthermore, the odds of getting the, even the majority of that stuff to come to fruition is going to be really hard. And let's say half of it comes to fruition. Yeah, you feel better. You feel really good about your, you know, your team being much better in 2023 than in 2022, but is that good enough? Probably not. So, yeah, I think there's some things specifically with players playing up to their potential and those 14, what 12, 14 players, whatever it is I listed, those players playing back to the levels that we've seen them play at the peak of their powers. 
would go a long way in making this team competitive in 2023, specifically Aaron Rodgers playing at MVP level, which he needs the players around him to play better as well if we want to see that happen. So I think as Brian Gutekinds in the front office weighs this out, they have to look at all these scenarios. They do have to put their Dr. Strange hat on and say, all right, what are the mathematical probabilities of this team being able to put it all together and make a run at the Super Bowl? Because we saw a team that massively underperformed, lacked fundamentals, lacked toughness, and even in their best years in 19, 20, 21, when they won a bunch of games, couldn't play their best football at the right time. To have all of that fix itself in one year, in what you could be looking at one year with Aaron Rodgers, that's a tough sell. As I told you on every episode on what my recommendation would be, I still believe this is not an easy choice. And whatever it is that you believe, I I totally get it. Maybe this team that we just talked about, maybe a lot of the things we talked about can come to fruition. Maybe this team can compete much better and and more closely to the 2020, 2021 teams than what we saw in 2022. And if so, that'd be awesome. That'd be a fun team to watch. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers get another opportunity to to walk off as a Green Bay Packer and with an opportunity to, to be a team that's playing at a high level and maybe even has an opportunity at a Super Bowl. If you think you can do that, if you think that's a realistic possibility, then I get it. Buy yourself one more year. One thing I will tell you, and I'll end with this today, the ability to do an aggressive rebuild and go on a two to three year aggressive rebuild where you're losing a lot of games, that opportunity will always be there. And it may not be as easy and you're you're prolonging it. And I've gone over why I wouldn't do that. Um, you know, I wouldn't push it off. I, I think there's logical reasons to not push it off, but the opportunity to be bad and to rebuild will always be there. The opportunity to win with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and see if he can play at an MVP level again, that opportunity might not come again for a very long time. So if that is still, you want to see this team that we laid out today, take it shot, give yourself a puncher's chance, hope that he plays at an MVP level and that you can get some of those things to come to fruition. Totally get it. Totally understand it. Still not the direction I would go in, but I would love if all the things we discussed today could come to fruition. And we're talking about uh, an NFC championship game next year where the Packers are playing with an opportunity to go to a Super Bowl. Sign me the heck up. That is going to do it for me today. I appreciate you joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. But until next time, and as always, go Paco. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
and he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.